Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> Hope everybody's doing all right. I'm glad to see you all here. Uh, let me ask you a question to begin uh, our lesson today. How many of you have been touched by divorce in your family? How many of you have been touched by divorce in your family? Okay, from the show of hands in the audience, most of us in this audience have been affected by some way, by divorce, in some manner, by a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, or a son, or a daughter. Um, all of us, even, it may even be yourself as one who's been affected by divorce. This topic has been and will be difficult. It will be difficult. It has also torn families apart. It has caused irreparable damage, and some of you are still feeling the sting of divorce. We know how difficult this can be, and I want you to know right up front that we love you, and that we're here for you, and we want to be with you as you walk through this. Now, I realize that this sermon is going to cause some tension. I ask and implore you to listen to everything that I have to say before jumping to any conclusions. My aim, our aim, is to be obedient to the words of Jesus, to seek and understand what is in the mind of God concerning this topic. So as we go through this sermon today, let's remember our Lake Home Away, our DNA of who we are. We can leave this room as brothers and sisters who are united in Christ, taking pains to always act, react, speak, and do on the premise that Jesus is Lord. And as we delve into this subject matter, divorce and remarriage, I know very few preachers that actually are willing to tackle this subject. Uh, and the reason there are so many out there who hold different viewpoints on this topic. And, and I'm okay with this. I'm okay with this. We may not see eye to eye on every single topic or every single point. And I know I'm open to, and I want you to know, I'm open to continual study on this and especially even more teaching on this matter. But I want you to realize this. In my 39 years, in my 39 years of ministry, there is not an eldership that I have served under that has agreed on every single point when it comes to divorce and remarriage, not one. So, to say that I have it all figured out, that we have it all figured out, would be a mistake. I really wish Jesus were here today. You know what I mean? Let him sit up here and talk about this subject instead of me. I wish he were here. I believe he would repeat these words, though, from his father, which you can find in Malachi chapter 2, verse 14. The, word, the words are, I hate divorce. I believe he would say that. And before we go any, for any further, allow me to build a little foundation. Jesus is speaking the very, these words to us today. The words that we're hearing are words that were from his mouth on this topic of divorce. Now, remember, he is the anointed one by God. He was in the beginning. And it was through him that God made the cosmos, the universe, made through Jesus, everything was created. Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was there at Mount Sinai as well. The words out of the mouth of God are Jesus. Therefore, the words he speaks to us today are the words of God. Even Jesus himself said the very same thing when he spoke while, while he spoke on earth in human form, that the words that all the words that he was he spoke were words that were given to him by his father. And you see that in John chapter 12, verses 44 through 50. Brothers and sisters, the importance of these words is not something we can ignore. It's not something we can ignore. Peter restates the importance of Christ's words in Acts chapter 3 when he looks back in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and looks back at Scripture in Deuteronomy 18, and he says this in Acts chapter 3, verses 22 through 23. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall do what? Listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. So, what does that mean for you and for me? It means we must hold the spoken words of Jesus as truth spoken by God. Does it not? We are not, we are not to add to, take away from God's word. His words rule over all others. Understanding this is paramount to understanding text, and especially this text that we're going to deal with today. Now, let me give you a little history on divorce. For the first 300 years of Christianity, the verses we're going to discuss were not, were not even problematic at all. Marriage among Christians was considered permanent. Marriage was an incredibly safe place for women. And if you remember, if you remember, the Jews believed they could hand a certificate of divorce to their wife or wives, even if they burnt the toast. As far as Romans and Greeks, who were in that same time as Jesus, they had given up on marriage completely. The women would wear rings for the number of their divorces. This male-dominated culture did not treat their wives with respect. Marriages in these pagan cultures were held in such low esteem that women exalted their failed marriages. You might say, but the Romans and the Greeks, they were heathens. And today's society, what's it? I mean, are, are, are we not living in Babylon? Are we not heathen in many ways as well? The tagline for our culture today is life is short. Have an affair. Get a new wife. If you don't like the one you're with, trade them in for a new model. So 300 to 350 years after Christianity began, Christianity became a state religion. It was at that point that Christians started questioning Christ's law concerning marriage. How can I get out of my marriage and still make God happy? What allows me to break my covenant, be divorced, and not feel guilty? 
It was at that time Christianity began looking for loopholes. Most of us complain as to the reason for divorce and remarriage and why it's so bad in our culture today. Some of us blame the media. Some of us blame Hollywood. Others blame social media. While others blame our government for not protecting the sanctity of marriage. I would say the reason for divorce and remarriage is why it's so prevalent in our culture today and in our churches is that we started to believe that Jesus' words were totally impractical. We started to believe that Jesus' words were totally impractical. And as believers, we became dull of hearing and shut our ears to his voice. So let me ask you something. Do you remember the times? Do you remember the times when Jesus made some shocking statements to his disciples? And their, their response was stuff like this. I mean, then who can be saved? Or this is a hard saying. Or who can listen to it? And many turned around and did not follow Jesus. Many of his disciples walked away because of those hard sayings, because those, they viewed those words as too harsh and impractical, like, drink my blood and eat my flesh. For those who remained with Jesus and listened to his words for those who were willing to endure the difficult sayings of Jesus, they were able to find a nugget of truth, a nugget of truth in his words. And I'm asking, I'm asking you today, I'm asking you today to stay with me. Let, let me go through this sermon before making any judgment. And I pray Jesus will be the nugget of truth for all of us today. This lesson reflects my study on God's word, and I want to pour it out onto you and give you what I have this morning, and I ask that you pour out into me things that I may not have learned in my life. I don't have all the answers for every situation, but maybe we can take a journey together this morning and humble ourselves in the study of God's Word. Now, we're going to be using two texts today and not just the Matthew 5 in our Sermon on the Mount series. We're also going to be looking at Matthew chapter 19 as well. So in Matthew chapter 19, when Jesus had finished his discussion on marriage and divorce, so he's already had that discussion of marriage and divorce, his disciples have this reaction to his comments. This is the reaction. The disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. And here's Jesus' response. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. Now, we're going to get back to that difficult saying here in a little bit, but let's unpack Jesus' words to his disciples. And so in order to unpack those, now I want to go back to the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to go back to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 on divorce and remarriage. All right. So verse 10, I'm going to read some of the stuff that we talked about last week because it talks about, it kind of goes with that. So here we go. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right eye, your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. 
It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that any, everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So many of the concepts Jesus speaks about in this text would have been foreign to his hearers. Cut off your hand, tear out your eye. Lust is something, is the same as committing adultery. All these were difficult sayings for Jesus because they, uh, for the crowd, because they had never heard anything like it. In verse 31 again, it says, It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Now, as you know, I've already kind of said it, women in Jesus' day had very little recourse if they got a divorce. If a man wanted a divorce, all he had to do was look at the, the wife and say, I want a divorce, I want a divorce, I want a divorce three times, and then the divorce was done. In Moses' day, in Moses' day, the women had nothing to protect her from that type of divorce. She couldn't go home. She was a disgraced woman. And she couldn't marry again because of her indecency. She was pushed to the margins of society. And many of them turned to prostitution to actually stay alive. This is where Moses steps in. And he says this in this Deuteronomy 24, verse 1. If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her, and sends her from his house. Now, there were different thoughts, different schools of thoughts on what indecent actually meant. Did it mean nakedness, filthiness, shame, or did it mean, as I said earlier, well, she burnt the toast. She burnt the toast, and she could be considered indecent. In Jesus' day, there were two different thoughts according to two different rabbis of that day. One rabbi was very strict in his uh, way he looked at this passage, and another rabbi that wasn't strict at all, very lenient. And let me remind you of the words again. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. There's a principle here. There's a principle here. When God forbids one sin, sexual immorality, he also at the same time forbids all sins of the same kind. Now, the, those who's listening to Jesus right now, this is a hard saying. This is a hard saying. Because I'm asking, doesn't Jesus know who the guilty party is here? Because I'm a little confused. How can a man who marries a divorced woman, who is innocent, by the way, commit adultery? Shouldn't we be focusing our attention on the man who sent her away? Again, I'm kind of confused. So what is Jesus saying? So what I need to do in this confusion, I need to take a moment and realize there's something here that I don't quite understand. I need to ask myself the question, is there truth? Is there truth that God is trying to help me realize that I fully don't understand yet? The Pharisees were all over this. 
They loved trying to catch Jesus in his own words, and sometime later they addressed the issue with him. In Matthew 19, verse 3, here's the issue. The Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And here's the real question I think the Pharisees seem to be asking in the first place. It's the same question we are asking. In what circumstances can a marriage that's become one become two again? In what circumstances can one become two? Jesus answers. He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And he said, and the next verse comes from Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, right out of the Scriptures. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So how are you reading this? Because when I read this, it sounds permanent, does it not? Well, surely Jesus didn't mean what he said. We need to be very, very careful here. We need to be very careful or we will fall back we will fall back into the idea of justifying our decisions outside of the Word of God. We'll be adding to, we'll be taking away from God's Word, which is forbidden in Scripture. Here's the question again. Here's the question again. How do I become two if I am one? Remember that Jesus was speaking to a Jewish crowd who was under the law of Moses. And as for us listening in, Jesus is describing for us a heart, the character and nature of what he wants in his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. These are the attributes of what I want in my kingdom. So, is this passage meant for me or for just the Jews? Yes, it's meant for the Jews and it's meant for us as well. I don't see how we can walk away from this without understanding how Jesus interprets Genesis 2, verse 24. You can't unone what God has made one. Next slide, if you don't mind. We can't unone what God has made one. The Pharisees are baffled. They're baffled. Many probably did, ha, had more than one wife. In their minds, this doesn't make sense. Doesn't Jesus know this? I mean, Jesus, is, it, Jesus knows how marriage works. I mean, if we want a divorce, we can justify our divorces. We, have, we point to Moses as that one, as our justification. Here's what Jesus says, though. He said, why then did Moses, these are, these are them, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and send her away? Here's Jesus' words. Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Moses allowed. He did not command. You were sending your wives away, and they have nowhere to go. You were divorcing them, and they could not go home because of the disgrace, nor could they be married again. And so Moses allowed the certificate of divorce to protect women. 
not to give men the freedom to throw away your wife when they were done with her. Jesus says, from the beginning, it was not so. Jesus tells the truth regarding Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. You can't unone what God has made one. I can hear Jesus saying, my Jewish brothers, you may have recognized the divorce. You may have a legal document, but your Father in heaven does not recognize a piece of paper. God joined you together. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And when you become one, you enter into a covenant relationship with God as well. This is what Malachi 2, verse 14 says. The Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by what? By covenant. What the Pharisees were asking is, is divorce permissible? And Jesus says, is it even possible? The disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. That's when Jesus says again, we looked at this at first, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. In other words, Jesus says, it is what it is. I don't know about you, but this is a very difficult teaching from Jesus. The questions we must answer is, will we listen and obey his words? Will we heed what he says? Now, let me say this, and I need you to listen to me. For some of you in the audience, you may be thinking that Jesus is pointing his finger right at you. And right now, you're probably feeling a condemning spirit from Jesus. Now, before we go down that road, we need to remember the entire work and scope of Jesus' ministry. In John 8, verses 1 through 11, the, man, the woman caught in adultery. In the middle of this intense scene, Jesus gets rid of all of those who are condemning the woman, who are wanting to stone her to death. It says to the woman who has been caught in the act of adultery, here's what he says to her, neither do I condemn you. In other words, child of God, don't do that anymore. What you did was wrong. And here's Jesus' point. Marriage results in a covenant relationship of oneness that God joins together. Again, you can't unone what God has made one. Now, for those in the audience, for those of you in the audience who are in your second marriage, you realize and you understand this. You feel this every day. Even though you're divorced, stuff keeps showing up from your first marriage. The paper you received didn't work like you thought it was going to. There continues to be complications. And if children are involved, there are continual complications. Also, do you realize there are ghosts still in your head from your first marriage? No piece of paper is going to get rid of that. You can't unone 
what God has made one. Some of you may ask, well, so should I end my second marriage? And the answer, no. Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 through 4 says, and, and you can see, it, it goes, you, you're not supposed to go back into a relationship that has been consummated with another because that's an abomination to God. And Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 7, Nevertheless, each one should retain the place in life that the Lord assigned him to, to which God has called him. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Yet you may be asking, so where do I stand in relationship to the church if I am divorced? According to last week's text, in the one that we just read, Matthew 5, verse 28, you can join the rest of us who have committed adultery in our hearts. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I want to say to all those who are still in their first marriage, let's not get all bent out of shape and believe we are any better than those who are divorced. According to Jesus, the 99% of us who have lusted in our hearts, we are just like those who have committed adultery. So, you, you want to know? You want to know where you stand in relationship to this church? If Jesus Christ does not condemn you, neither shall we condemn you. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. He did not come to judge or condemn. Therefore, we will not condemn or judge. There is a judge, and until that day when God returns to judge all mankind, we will not condemn you. Why? Because the church is his body, the personality of the expression of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for you and for me. We stand, therefore, like everyone else in this room, who need the saving grace of Jesus Christ in our lives. And know this, we are not condoning divorce here at Lake Homa. We believe in the permanence of marriage. If God hates divorce, we hate divorce. If Jesus wants marriages to stay together, we want marriages to stay together. We want them to last, and we want them to flourish. And we will do everything humanly possible to help them stay together. We want to pray with you, and if need be, we want to help you get counseling. And if you're separated or divorced currently, know that we love you. There is not one of us in this room who is perfect. Not one of us. I will say this again. We are all broken just in different places. And it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. And we want to walk with you. We will love you, and we will show you grace. Lake Homa is a place of healing. Lake Homa is a place of acceptance. Lake Homa is a place where the love of Jesus is overall and in all. Jesus is Lord of our lives. 
And I pray you will make him Lord of every aspect of your life as well. And if, you're got, if you have a bulletin and you're going, I wonder if he's ever going to get to these blanks, yes, right now. You're going to fill in all three of them right now. Here's the first one. Accept, A, accept. We must accept the truth regarding Jesus' words concerning marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What Jesus has spoken is truth. And in whatever situation you find yourself right now, accept that part, that, that truth in your life. Here's the second thing. Confess. Confess. Take some time to go to God and say, I am sorry, God, I failed. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And there may be some here that actually knew better. You knew better. You knew it was a sin that you divorced, and you went ahead and did it anyway. You thought, I'll just wait and work it out on the other side. Doesn't God want me to be happy? And I also know that there are others here who are in their second marriage, and it's still a rocky marriage. You can continue to blame everyone else for your plight. You blame your spouse, you blame your former spouse, and you blame your children. And what you haven't done is own up to your part in this. You need to confess and own your sin and seek forgiveness. And here's the third thing. Ask. Ask. Spend some time asking God to give you grace and healing. Spend time with our shepherds or our ministers in prayer. And remember this, all through Scripture, we learn that good can come out of brokenness. Remember the story of David and Bathsheba. Remember that story. And on the final note, on the final note, for those who find themselves divorced and single right now, if you're divorced and single right now, you need to spend some time in God's sustaining grace. Allow yourself time to heal before moving on into another relationship, three, four, or five years. Think seriously about the words of Jesus. Give God time to work on the brokenness, hurt, anger, and disappointment in your life. Ask Him to renew your heart, and most importantly, your soul. I pray that we will live by the words of Jesus. I pray that we will listen and obey them. Let's stand and sing.